Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you PNLP? This is the Premier Non-League Podcast. So we were lacking a bit of football action, so uh, myself, Gaz and Trevor have decided to get back together to start a series of summer specials. Chaps, how are we doing? Are we missing the football so far before we introduce our special guest tonight? Missing it, no, missing it. No, um, it's been going on. National League didn't finish till early uh, early June, did it? So I've had plenty of stuff to write about. You have had plenty of stuff to write about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're completely continuing the blog at footballwriting.co.uk, the sponsor of the Premier League podcast. But without further ado... We are honoured and privileged to be joined by the chairman and manager of Dorking Wanderers. And everyone's got to know this gentleman. Mark White, welcome to the Premier Non-League Podcast. Summer special, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Cleaner, kit man, set piece, penalty taker, water carrier, you name it. I've Fashion it. icon as well, because you do sort of look quite dapper on those sidelines as well, I should say. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, know. I don't really, yeah, I just don't. I've never owned a bit of Dawkins Wanderers kit. I'm the only person with no Dawkins Wanderers kit. No, no, you're mad. Was it Capo? I think it is. You've been modelling in last season, haven't you? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so (laughs) no, but you look very trendy. But Mark, um, first of all, how's your summer been? I can imagine it's been very busy before we press on with things with uh, obviously the uh, promotion into the National League uh, by Dawkins Wanderers, a well-deserved promotion. Um, Have you had time to chill? Have you been away on holiday? Have you put your feet up at all? Yeah, not really. Um, <laughs> the, the, the seat, honestly, I, I've never enjoyed um, a success less than I did this one, definitely, because although it's the biggest success we've ever had, um, the season was already the longest in history. Then then we had the extra two weeks. So it was like 11 months or something of a season. Um, everybody couldn't wait to finish to a degree. I then couldn't do any sort of player contracts and stuff like that because... We didn't know what league we're going to be in. And I don't know, I just had this sixth sense would go up. So normally I'd be, I'd sort of, I'd hedge my bets and thought, right, I'll just do some new deals. But I just thought, you know what, I don't know what league we'll be in. So I then the season finished, I had to have about, you know, 20 conversations from players that then think they're all worth more money than what they are. Because I had to try and remind them that I'm the, I'm the reason they've been successful, not them. And, um, and, um, so that took my time. That took my time up, right? So um, there's a few boys that moved on, and then you know, then obviously I'm, you know, myself and I've got a co-director, Chris. We do a lot of day-to-day work. We had to organise an awful lot of stuff behind the scenes. We've now got grade gra- ground grading projects going on, and so there ain't no break, James. That's mm. the bottom line. Not really, mate. Not so really. I can't but picture you no sitting run- on a sunbed with a cigar and like your mobile phone in one hand and a sort of whiskey in the other hand trying to get some peace, but you know it's not going to happen, though. No? Yeah, it, basically that. I'm <laughs> definitely due a break. I'm due a break. So it's a, uh, but you know what, mate? It comes with a sort of territory. Keep um, yeah. with the sort of acceleration of the club. It just means we don't really get a lot of time to sit still, really. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Um, so let's let's just take it right back to the beginning, Mark. So you were famously a Wimbledon fan, weren't you? Uh, the original yeah. Wimbledon of uh, London. Is that where you're from? Are you from South West London originally, or did how did no, you grow up no, supporting Wimbledon? Parts, these parts, but it was it was just like my granddad was a Fulham fan. So I was a Fulham an awful lot. And I was a really small kid, and then Wimbledon just just seemed to be like really accessible. Plus, randomly, a few of my mates played from back in the day, and um. Yeah, so to Plough Lane was sort of like to Hayden's Road from Dawkin on a train. I could sort of do it in something stupid, like 28 minutes. Yeah. And um, so I used to just fly up and down to there, love the club, love the whole, you know, fairy tale, us for them attitude and storyline of it all. The, the underdog, you know, and um, yeah, I used to go all over and watch them. So I used to, I used to love it. And it's quite mad for me now, because when, when I go to Wimbledon now, if ever I go up there, I see all the boys that used to be like, teenagers like me 
and, and all their kids, and in some cases, grandkids. You know, so it's, it's weird how it's evolved. But no, I, you know, I parted company with it all when it went belly up, to be fair. Yeah. So you're not a fan of Franchise FC, obviously, that uh, went up the road to Milton Keynes. And this was sort of the start of the beginning of uh, Dorking Wanderers. So how did you feel as a fan? Because I've never gone through that. Trev, um, Gaz, I mean, Trev, you kind of went through it with a bit of Maidstone in the old day, didn't yeah. you, when they sort of dissolved. But I've never been a fan of a club that have completely sort of almost felt like they've stabbed the fans in the back or, you know, they've gone away. What was that feeling and, you know, the emotion behind it, which has obviously trajected you towards setting up Dorking? It's unbelievable, you know, like at the time I was only young, so it's weird. It's hard to remember how I resonated with it, but it was a case of like just somebody, you know, to a degree, just an act of God, really, just like someone passing away to a degree. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. I can't really put it any differently. You know, when you follow, follow a football team home and away and then someone just says, well, that's all over then. At the time, I remember people saying afterwards, it never happened again. And I think the best thing that probably come out of it was the fact that it could never happen again to anybody else uh, the FA notorious for being bad were bad in that situation and um, thankfully it's not happened to anyone else since really but of course we know that FA have got bullet holes galore in them mm. <laughs> and still make mm-hmm. constantly bad decisions the whole time so the day that you guys got together and decided to form Dorking Wanderers, what, 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 how did it come about? Let's just say, so we know that sort of your disillusions with uh, Milton Keynes and all that lot. So how did it come about? Because it's not, well, it sounds like it's something you sort of came up with a few mates down the pub, but like, you know, it's, it's a long-term project of yours and you've seen the fruits of your labour over the past 20 odd years. How did that all come about? Like, what, what well, was... no, it, it, James, honestly, it, it really was. We was, um, we mentioned it in the pub, throwaway stuff. Should we just start get a muckabout team on a Saturday? Then we was, my friend had a kitchen showroom. We, we went round there working in it one afternoon. And we just said, listen, we're going to do that team there. And we printed off a lot of forms, filled them in. And it was in a basement, this place. And he, he was just filling in the rest of the form. And as I got to the top of the stairs of this basement on the way home, he shouted out, what are we going to call it? And I said, well, Dawkins Summit. And he went, well, what? I, goes, I don't know. He goes, well, Wanderers? I went, yeah, all right. <laughs> and that was it just like that just like that mate and um f- you know it was like pay a fiver get their last to not put the nets up 50 quid for a council pitch down the pub beforehand down the pub on a friday night as well before the game just standard stuff really cruelty and district division five rough and ready that was i can i can imagine i can imagine mark are any of those guys still involved are they are there any of them sort of seen it through like yourself to, to where you yeah. are Mm, not from day one one but all those people from day one still watch the whole time they're in the bar yeah uh, they're not day-to-day involved but there's people that have been there a good 17 18 years involved in different guises but yeah a lot of the old players old originals their kids now all got the shirts on and all that stuff and they're up in the bar mate that's good it's like you almost like when when you set something up like that, and you've the success you've had. I wonder if they if they have a little bit of regret about not hanging around and sort of going into coaching and and, and doing that side of it. Just uh, yeah, just... maybe maybe a thing. I just I kind of think with um what I've always said about the club is that it's kind of not my club. It can't be. It's like you know Mark White's not going to be around forever. And I've always said that the beauty of our club having sort of one owner today is anyone involved is kind of their club and they can get out of it what they want. They can dip in when they want. People have go through periods of their life, don't they? They, they might have families or personal issues or priorities and people have come and gone over the years, but they always know they didn't come back. I mean, yeah. we see so many of our old players and committee and volunteers and at games. It's, it's huge. It's quite a big thing in Dorking, to be fair. Do you think you... Well, I say in any of our lifetimes before we're sitting here that we would see something like that happen again 20 years and you get promotion all the way through to, to sit one step off of the Football League. You know what, mate? That's like one of the best questions I've ever had. I, I really hope so. Do you know what I mean? Because the what what I've got from it, but forget me, what I've seen other people get from it uh, socially being engaged in the project over the years has been phenomenal, you know? And I, I only wish that more, more sort of people were more patient. Um, more people were sort of like, you know, I guess more loyal, if you like. And because obviously what I've got from it's been amazing, but more importantly, what I've seen it do for others, 
has been incredible. I mean, it started off with us with, you know, a few boys. It's ended up in hundreds and literally thousands of local people, businesses, charities we work with. I mean, the project itself has been phenomenal and people have really got behind it. Um, I think what I would say is, mate, is that in England, if you like, um, it's quite difficult mm. to achieve because you don't get much of a head start with local authorities granting land to sporting projects and stuff like that. So you are kind of out there a lot on your own. We're really fortunate where we are. We've kind of got one over the local authority. They've really bought into what we've done uh, and they really get it now. But you see other examples of, I could name quite a few where strangely they don't see the benefit in gifting if you like in the right way uh, a piece of land to a local football club to enable them to do good work in the local community and engage people um so short answer is i bloody hope it really does happen again i really hope it happens again but it is very difficult to do i think as well the only thing i can think of actually to come close to it was when maidstone did reform they started down playing parks football but they didn't have quite so many promotions because i think they strolled through the first division so they actually jumped them up two divisions just to you know stop everyone getting thumped every week but i can't think of any any other club that's that's done that's had a rise exactly like you guys have no, no we've tried to look into it purely for vanity purposes really and um, <laughs> no, i'm joking don't, don't blame you mate um, what, what an achievement though you amazing yeah no, it's not, um, we looked at like fleetwood and afc obviously Mm. Wimbledon and yeah but obviously because we go back to a division five it's like um it's a lot of progress but mm. it has been phenomenal and um yeah couldn't have dreamt it just kept going really to be fair well, I was going to say like you know obviously you say division five of uh, Crawley and District what were your honest goals when you set it up did you really genuinely have a you say you just kept going but did you in the back of your mind have some sort of wow wouldn't it be amazing if we got up to like say for example the Ismian or something like that let alone the National League, was there ever a point or when did it come to a point where you think, actually, boys, we might be able to do something here? I just think initially it was just enjoying it. And then um, kind of we went five, four, three. Uh, we went to the West Sussex League. I mean, those leagues, let me tell you, these leagues are run by proper people. Mm. You know, no disrespect to the people that run these leagues now that we're in, but they couldn't lace the boots of the volunteers and people that work hard in those leagues. Yeah, I've got a lot of time. I, I love to give back as much as I can to those divisions. We played in the, the West Sussex League, you know, people giving up all their time. At the time, they had five divisions and so many teams on a Saturday that a lot of those divisions would be north and south. And in some of them, they even have a north, south and central, all Sussex. Huge amount of teams. But we, yeah, we got to about two and thought, oh, you know, intermediate football, we've got to put a rope around it. I think Division One of that West Sussex, and we uh, we bowled a rope so the bloke could put his sign up around the pitch to sponsor. <laughs> and um, yeah, kind of when we got near county football, it's kind of like it's almost weird. It's almost like um, I hope it's like Boyd. No, 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 it's fascinating. I've got all the deep non-league talks here, and I talk with a lot of shit up the time. <laughs> no, we like um, it. We like it. But there was a guy called Peter Bentley that was the uh, the man that was Mr. Sussex County. This guy was phenomenal. Gave his whole life. He passed away, Peter. What a great man. Gave his whole life for football. These are the type of people that were involved at that level. Um, anyway, Steve Neilgrove was his uh, predecessor, Nelly, and um, he came down to our ground and he sort of said, Do you know what he goes? I've just got a funny feeling you could be the next Langley Sports, right? And he compared us with Langley Sports Eastbourne Borough. And we was, we were sort of in the Premier League, the West Sussex. And he'd come down to sort of say, look, if you get promoted, you'll have to do this, have to do that. And it's those little, it's those side indoors things, you know. Someone gives you that little bit of a, not hope, if you like, but just a bit of optimism. And at that point, we started thinking about it a bit more. The first programme, you know, and it was like, blimey, we got a programme and, you know, 80 people turned up to the first game or something, you know, then that dwindled down to 40. So it was just kind of like, it was a little bit, the best way of wording it is, the, the more of a taste we got for the bigger life with it, the more appetite we got as we went along. But um, I've always found the winning bit easier as we've gone higher, to be honest. We haven't hung about in these divisions. Like, we've, we took a lot longer to get out of the county league than we have these leagues. <laughs> So, Mark, 12 promotions in 21 seasons led you to the National League. 12 promotions, yeah, no, do you know what it is? So, obviously, phenomenal record, but 
there's been a lot of things that have gone our way over the years. We won a ground grade and appeal. We were the first ever club to win a ground grade and appeal with the FA ever in FA history. We um was that at West Humble? Uh, yeah, we had been promoted from the Sussex County when Little Hampton couldn't get promoted. Okay. We yeah. got promoted. So I'm always honest about things. And uh, there's uh, there's been a little bit of the wondrous gods, as I call them. We've been out a few times. and um, But the bit that no one knows or remembers, because I obviously we don't, being a PR machine, we don't mention it, but you will now, <laughs> is that... Um, we actually uh, got reprieve from relegation in County One in oh, our wow. first season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, there you go. See, so without that, maybe we wouldn't be here today. Who knows? And what's the background to that reprieve then, for those that don't know? Do you know what? It was just standard stuff, really, number of teams yeah. and, and things like that. But, um, yeah. Ironically, the only time that I took a small break from managing um, I, I just want to stipulate that now. Yeah. So sometimes, though, you, you need a little bit of luck every now and then just to help keep that bounce going as well. Yeah, I mean, completely. I mean, people get luck in different forms. Some clubs get windfalls of money and, you mm. know, or, or whatever. But, yeah, we had a few little things over the years that have gone our way. And obviously with COVID, like, we had things that didn't go our way when we, we were doing so well in the league and it got cancelled. So, yeah, but... It's not all been plain sailing. No. Well, I was going to t- t- talk to you about COVID in a little bit, but just sort of going up the leagues, and you obviously said it, but mentioned West Humble. Um, did you ever want to modernise West Humble and stay there? Or like, how did the opportunity come around? I know Dorking FC went out of business in 2017, I think it was. Um, and that was, uh, and uh, Meadowbank was their ground originally. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Again, this is probably the biggest act of God ever, really, for the Wanderers, yeah. this one, because um, West Humble was. Um, it's the bottom of Box Hill, yeah. designated AOMB um, area of outstanding natural beauty. Planning permissions were extremely difficult to get, often temporary. Uh, we had lots of interest from residents who <laughs> lived the opposite side of the railway track. I presented several times to parish councils. Trying to get the floodlights down there was a nightmare. And we just took it as far as we could. And then parallel to that... Um, the Dorking Football Club site was owned and still is by Mar Valley Council and the previous tenants had run it to rack and ruin and they'd locked the gates and um, basically kicked them out and it just all happened at the right time and then before you know it, we've managed to kind of get in there really. Initially, we was going to go in there with a sharing with a newly formed Dorking side and then the people at Dorking kind of very, very maturely sort of said look do you know what like you guys have these guys had like, three of them trying to organize it all and we had a huge committee and they kind of said do you know what we kind of should get together here really do you know what i mean yeah. this is the, the best thing for the town so we kind of went that route so you say it was a stroke of luck was there ever another sort of area that you were looking at in the dorking area that you were going to have to modernize and go go to yeah we were looking around so i had this conversation um, with, I'm trying to think, who was a club the other day um, about how to how to build your own club, really. I mean, there's clubs out there like Kingstonian. I mean, we all know, because I know you boys are all massive football fans like me. Um, but that whole ground sharing thing is a bit like when someone goes to get the milk, isn't it? Mm. They go out to get the milk and yeah. 20 years later, they've not come back yet. Yeah. I think Epsom and Yule are like the longest ground sharers in the UK. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I mean, I, I honestly think they might be approaching 30 years. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but um, but you look at Kingstonian and... Yeah, they're on the move clubs. again, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Horsham, Horsham done well. You know, I was worried about them at one point. They they was away for a long time. Um, but, you know, the, um, the, the kind of key bit really is every single local authority has designated recreational grounds and you might often think it's physically a football pitch or a well-kept bit of land but quite often it's overgrown it's dog walking land but there's a little sign and it just says you know Mole Valley District Council recreational use there's three or four sites in Dawkins that are overgrown huge sites that 
that the council have never bothered with, but they can't build on it. Mm. And every every local authority's got similar. I mean, it's just about earmarking, speaking to them. Um, I'll tell you who it was I spoke to was um, uh, Rygate Priory. Okay. Um, about, you know, um, how I'd go about, you know, looking for a home. Because obviously things have changed. Obviously, lo- I mean, I know, I'm, I know I'm deviating a little bit, but... No, not at all. Local authorities... Whereas people used to want a grass pitch, the wins for the local authority were quite small. It's more, you know, it's, you know, you might have a football team, bring a few shoppers to the town, but now they can be artificial and used by the entire community. Um, it's a massive win for local authority, but of course, these people don't often know that. So if you get in front of the local members, local politicians, show the project, show how much it's going to engage the community. Um, it's very fundable and it's doable. So, yeah, we had two or three sites lined up, but we didn't need them. I'm just going to jump in there, Mark. With the plastic pitch bit that you mentioned at the moment, obviously you can't have that in the Football League. If you were still at Meadowbank and you then got to that point, you've got to put a grass pitch down, would you have to lose the plastic? Would there be somewhere you could put it because I know Bromley have got plans if they made it up then Hayes Lane goes back to grass and the plastic actually goes in behind yeah exactly so there's a couple of things there one is you're actually allowed to play in the football league on a hybrid pitch um so and these pitches have um 30 hours of use a week Mm. I mean how they deem 30 hours is beyond me I mean it's like well 30 hours of what? Four-year-olds? or Yeah, it's extremely four. random, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, so there's hybrid pitches can be used. Plus there's 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 advanced talks with the EFL about um, artificial being allowed up to um, up to League One. Yeah. Um, but the favourite here is probably going to be the Tracy Crouch and her report for the government recommended a three-year uh, kind of deferment period, if you like. So if you get promoted, you get a three-year grace. Oh, okay. lovely. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Um, because obviously the point was made by Tracy that you could be Sutton United and rip up your pitch mm. and then one year later get relegated and put it back down again. Yeah. So um, I think, I mean, realistically, would anyone bet against it being used in the future I think more a case of when yeah it's got to um, be and, and, but I think the, the, the issue with it is probably the the, 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 the differences in quality which we recognise mm. it, it is very different and it does make for a bad game of football when it's really poor um, but um, I think it's just a, a work in progress it'll happen from our point of view we would just have to see what the rules were at that point and go from there yeah, I can't imagine your dream giving up now. Yeah. Sorry, getting out of this division is not going to be a given. No, no. But <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine your dream is to get out of the division and uh, not back down again, but higher up to EFL. Um, can you see Meadowbank in itself becoming a football league ground if if it was to happen, or do you think this might be a case of Mark's going to have to look around the area again for somewhere else? Meadowbank definitely can be a football league ground. It's yeah. got a it's got a little bit of a bigger footprint than people realise. It's got um three sides of it the actual red line the footprint is is pulled in um i think the footprint's probably bigger than fleetwood and other examples like anything it's just got to be really well designed and really well built uh, so we've got no concerns with that um i do think the national league and the it does make you laugh the the kind of draconian mindset because because they've not had a, a three up three down or or, or whatever for so long They've ended up with, with a national lead that arguably is stronger than the League Two. Oh, 100%. We've said yeah. it so many times on the podcast, mate. It's like, just, it's like League I'm, Three now. If I'm the EFL, I'm probably thinking, well, actually, if I'm going to be selfish, I'd rather three up. I'll, I'll inherit better clubs than what I've got. Yeah. 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 Um, but not, not that, listen, I think personally, I'll be going down that regionalisation route anyway. The RZFA doing the sort of what they'd done in 19, whatever it was, 80 something, I think, where where they took the conference and the League Two and they just said, right, split it down the middle, regional, less travelling, bigger crowds. That's really what they should do. But instigating change is not easy because often it's got to be voted by member clubs. 
and, and I know I'm on a crusade here moaning about the FA, but that's standard with me. <laughs> Can you believe, unbelievably, they let the clubs vote on the amount of subs? Uh, mm. so, I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me, mate. So, so the Football League, Premier League have all got a certain amount of subs. Step five have agreed to, I think, five subs. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So I said, well, I don't understand it. So it's like voting on what's handball. It's, like, it's not like it's a negligible. It's, like, it's almost like it's part of the game, isn't it? How many mm. players, how many subs? So National League voted against it. Well, they didn't vote against it. They voted for it, but not by the, the majority that was needed to, to get it through the AGM. Sorry, just to say that because it pissed no. me off. <laughs> don't blame you. Um, so we're going, going back to um, what you said about COVID, Mark. Um, obviously, like a lot of clubs in the non-league system, it caused a lot of angst. Forgetting the virus, we know the virus is bad. People were dying left, right, centre. But what did you honestly think about what happened in those COVID seasons? Obviously, the first season, Dorking were in the playoff zone. Second season, five-point clear. As we said, we, we support Worthing and it was a very similar situation for us. So we sort of lived it through a division below you. What were your honest thoughts about it? Well, in terms of the Worthings of this world, it, it was obvious they, they had a shortage of teams. They should have just had to, they had to just shuffle the, the leagues up. It didn't, because when they restarted again with, in our division, 21 teams, I think, and it just meant less revenue, less games. Yeah. So everyone was struggling off the back of COVID, but they've made these bizarre decisions. But again, the problem in football is you've got um, you've got multiple leagues making decisions, um, and there's no overarching uh, body, if you like, that actually runs football. The FA it looks that way outside looking in, but they don't. Leagues do what they want. Um, we was robbed. <laughs> we was so robbed. Oh yeah. We was um we was told the season would start and finish. We was uh given funding, about 120 grand for that to happen. Um we engaged all of our sponsors, sold season tickets, and then um clubs then clubs then moaned. Um and it was all it was all the clubs that at that point couldn't really win. So, and then they've done this bizarre thing of put into the vote in Jan, who wants to carry on? So obviously you could have in advance written the result, you know, the top eight said, let's crack on. And everyone else said, let's ditch it. Um, it was crazy. They'd done a vote that was illegal. I proved it. Um, and when I proved it, it cost me about 35 grand to prove that the vote they put to clubs was illegal um they mucked up they messed up their lawyer messed up and um but then the fa got around it by finding a loophole in their directory that literally is you know you get them rules in life where you get to the bottom rule and the rule says we can change any rule it was like that <laughs> and the fa said yeah well we're not actually approving what's happened as a result of the resolutions and what was put to clubs anyway we're doing it because we've got this rule here and this rule says we can do it and that was it so you know it's one of the reasons that um an independent regulator has been called for in in football it's no secret the fa are not a trusted source of running the national game um Obviously, like anything, great pockets within the FA. I think there's great areas where they work really well, but a lot of discrepancies. And certainly with that governance being under one umbrella, it's very scrappy, very messy. Le different leads voting for different outcomes. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, was, it was a complete shambles. We were robbed, but we had to just get on with it in the end. Well, I followed all your Friday updates because obviously I wanted to know what was going on. And uh, yeah. obviously texting David Blackmore as well to get some info from him because obviously being a Barnet fan, we were bottom of the league. So we should have swapped places effectively uh, um, because Tony tried to do it on the cheap that year. And, you know, yeah. very, you know, very much so we got out of jail, but I had a lot of people asking me all the way through what's going on. Are they, are they, are they playing? Are they not? You know, a lot of Barnet yeah, fans are, I mean, are we going to go down or not? Yeah. Something like on the board of directors at that point, something like four of the seven 
belong to clubs in the bottom six of the national mm. league. Yeah. And mm. they they put together the vote. It was it was it was it literally it was criminal, but not if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. And then the best one of all was letting Dover off. Yeah, I mean he couldn't true. make it up. <laughs> I mean I mean they um I can't think what the fine was they got now. Forty thousand. Forty grand mm. and they Minus finished 10, playing. Mate. Yeah, but and they finished playing. I can't think how long it was. Quite a long way before the end. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, uh, unbelievable. So what they done was they discredited the league. They, if I was one of those other teams in that league, paying out money to carry on playing in front of no crowds, I'd have said, well, if they if they got a forty grand fine and ten points, well, I'll give it another four weeks. I'll stop playing, and mine might be twenty grand and five points. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was. Yeah. You know, they got away and murder, but you know they—they. They, I think the National League definitely know, uh, but there's a change of the guard. Brian Barwick was the man in charge, and uh, there's been a change of the guard with Jack Pearce and Mark Ives. They, they're good football people, but they're only. They're only as good. I see the wording. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. I, I bite my tongue, Mark. I bite my tongue, Mark. Because uh, you know, COVID and um, COVID and Jack Pierce don't go in the same sentence. Well, for a Worthing fan. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it fully. I get it. Fully. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I just think it's a shame because what people forget, and I did to be fair, but like I had people like Jason Pryor like make good points. Like some of these like youngsters and that, they're losing two, three years yeah. of their career. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, so they play for Worthing at 19 as a good prospect, and by the time they kick a ball, they're in the same division at 22. And I don't think yeah. a lot of lot of thought was put against no. things other than keeping people happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you say keeping people happy, though, Mark, because we've said it plenty of times on the podcast. Like the thing is, it, it was a time where we needed something to cheer us up and keep us happy, and that it could have continued this football and everything like that for a lot of people at non-league, where it was so much easier in a big stadium to go and watch. But they snatched it away from you. It's not just that you know it's the fans, it's the footballers, as you say, footballers losing two, three years out of their career just for stupid like old boys clubs. Yeah, no, it was it was a it was a real shambles, really. Um, but the problem was from day one is that, um, you know, the FA struggle with day-to-day decision-making. So when they were thrust into a problem like this, they were just out of their depth. They didn't know where to turn, hmm. what to do. They just had no idea. And what they'd done really, Worthing, Dorking, all the people that suffered were a minority. And that's yeah. in their heads, like a politician, that suited them because mm-hmm. they got less grief. <laughs> that, that's the bottom line. That's yeah. it. So, yeah, spot on. Putting no, it to so vote they, for them, yeah. Like one of our one of our podcasters, Chris, we'll see it up at the South Shields. See, they were leading similar yeah. to yourself and similar to Worthing. They were doing really well, and then they've missed out on promotion this season by losing in the playoffs. So now they're yeah. still in that they're still in that same division. What would be the for the fourth season now? So they're obviously, yeah. but they're full time as well. So it's, I know, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, they they spent a lot of money taking on the FA. I think the year before COVID yeah. or, but like, it's just why they didn't level up the leagues. I don't know. Like, mm. you know, you only live once, you know, like everything evolves. What was there to be gained by not saying, right, look, we're going to do a, a PPG or, you know, something, as long as it was meaningful, as mm. long as it's meaningful. Um, and, and then give people that chance. I mean, 
it's just inconsistency. That's that's what you get, unfortunately. Yes. It's Mark, Mark, you said um, famously in the last one, last episodes of last season, we'll get onto a bunch of amateurs very shortly, but you said quite famously you had a premonition that you'd go out via the playoffs. I mean, if you were a betting man, mate, you'd have been even more wealthier than I'm sure you are now. Like, what, what, what made you think that? I mean, that was ridiculous. What, what, a, what a great way to say we're going to go out via the playoffs. And a year later, you, I mean, that match we'll get onto anyway, because that was just, you know, yeah. if I had been there, unbelievable. One of our other podcasters, Pete, who's not able to come on tonight, he was there supporting you guys. And, you know, for, we were following the updates, weren't we, chaps? We were texting each other. But then to see it on Bunch of Amateurs, which we're talking a bit, but what made you think the playoffs? Why, after the season when you were like five points clear and then playoffs before, why did you think it was going to be the playoffs? I just, I just thought that to win a league, you need... You, you sometimes need a little bit of luck, um, but you can kind of guarantee, you can get, if you've got a half-decent side and you can guarantee really a home playoff game. And yeah, and I just thought we, if we get a home playoff game, I, I just thought we'd win it. Um, that was my mindset all along, in my head all along. I had that. As it goes, we would have won the league, but we had a lot of injuries at the wrong time. Yeah, all the time. Um, I genuinely think, without any discredit to Maystone, who I get on really well with, I think we would have gone 10, 12 clear. We, we were flying and we had, you know, probably three of our best players all injured at the same time. But, um, yeah, no, it, it was just one of those things, a bit of experience, a bit, maybe I was just manifesting it, I don't know. <laughs> but what I've got to say, is I, I love the fact that you boys followed that because it's a bit like me messaging Hinch it does seem to be quite a good little community amongst some clubs down this way um, with the fans. I kind of feel like with football, barring the sort of real old school, um, you know, rivalries, I kind of feel like football fans have worked out there's, a, there's enough clubs to dislike rather than the ones on your doorstep. 100%. I do feel like there's more respect for one another these days and I was the first on the phone to Hinch and obviously we spoke a lot with Keeley. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for that, by the way, mate, because uh, you say he, 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 I, I'd give you a kiss for letting you have him because uh, cause he was he was absolutely amazing for us and I think he's the guy that's helped us seal that title win. Yeah, that's what I'm reading, like, and, and we needed a striker badly and you had David and I said, look, I'll take David. You know what? I think me, me and <laughs> Did you dangle actually... a carrot in front of Hinch going, oh, I have David, you can keep Keeley. Yeah, 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 that was it. I said, look, it, the only way you can keep him is if we, we'll have to take David. Me and Trevor actually had a game at Lansing and we saw you there. Yeah. Uh, yes. It was a worthy yes, game. Yes, so we're like, we're like, like what, what, what's Mark doing here? And then all of a sudden, three days later, David has signed for, for Dorkin. <laughs> and we're like, well, that, that, that explains that answer then. You cheeky um, boy, you. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Exactly. We, we, yeah we, we, I think Jason had just got injured and that was that really. But no, it's yeah. good. It's good the camaraderie now between clubs and it's, you know, for me personally, I when I watch, I mean, I know Barry Hunter really well, and when I watch what, what knowing what I've done with our club and how much work people put in with us, I resonate with it elsewhere. So yeah. I kind of always want the best for people, really. Well, we've got a, a, quite a few times. I think it was one time this season comes to mind. We had a game postponed. I think it was against Thurrock. Oh, no, no, it was against Bishop Stortford. And a few of the lads came by um, Meadowbank and came and watched the Dorking game that Saturday. And it's happened a few times. You know, I think we've said it quite a few times that we're lucky to be in the Sussex area. Obviously, where Dorking started off their roots as well. And you've got some brilliant like football stories going on with Littlehampton, Worthing, Hastings, yeah. um, Dorking, obviously yourselves. It, it's, it's just a brilliant sort of area to be in. And I think it's going to become a real hotbed for football football yeah no totally agree and I see um I see Gary Olfick the other week actually and uh, that's another club that obviously got held back by yeah by COVID as well mm. yeah you say that so we're going to talk about um bunch of amateurs Mark um if if anyone that's listening hasn't seen it I think you're living under a non-league rock because it's the talking thing in non-league world at the moment because it's brought an access point to <laughs> The world of non-league football, you know, they did it with Charlwood and they're doing it with you guys. And, um, you know, I know friends of mine, uh, one of them will be listening to his podcast. He's a Charlton fan like me and he's actually started following Dorkin. He lives in South London, but he's travelled down to Meadowbank a few times, travelled to your games at like Ebbsfleet, at Welling and stuff like that. And you've really attracted a crowd. So how, how did that all come about? Like, how, how did um, did you approach Rich or did Rich approach you? Yeah, Rich approached us and just said, oh, I want to maybe do like a little short film or something and, and, and get a bit of footage and just you know and, and then yeah then it just kind of went from there to be quite frank you know I think 
Rich was quite impressed with the, um, I think the access probably, you know, the access to normality. But I've got a big thing where I won't change. And, and all the time I'm breathing at the club, I won't change the roots of what we do yeah. because of where we come from. Um, you know, we always want to offer the best hospitality. Whatever we do, we want to be a, a nice club, a good club and that. But I also go to the changing room, you know, no big time Charlies. No, you know, it's so, so I think Richard liked the kind of refreshing, refreshing part of it all and the access really. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I started watching it last season and it, it's, it is really, uh, really, really sort of, for me, it's nice to see, but it's nice to see at your level, but also down. So this season, I started watching Holland Sports this season, and that obviously went wrong with sort of Barks and Mike, and but, yeah. then, but then I quite often see them stood behind you in the dugout. So there's obviously is there some? Do you guys get on really well? Do you know each other yeah. before this came about, or was it? No, I didn't. I didn't. But Barks and Rich are really good mates. They're best mates, and right. Barks comes to a lot of games, and Barks is going nuts at that famous uh, game. But um, I just think, you know what? I just think in a world where people are scared to say or do anything, let's be honest about it, right? Yeah. And I just think, you know what? I think the reason it's so popular is because actually people still want to think that there is a real world out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Um, we, try, we try to put across the real world and, you know, get it across in the right way. It's not easy. And I, I think I think Rich does that really well in his commentary as well. Like the way he comes across in, in the commentary. He's so sarcastic and dry, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which for me is like it's perfect. I, I mean, I, I love it. I was watching the, I was watching the final this afternoon. I, I said before I wanted to watch them back to back, so I watched both of them when I had enough time to watch them. And and like it went from laughing at Rich's commentary to like almost feeling a sense of. It sounds really silly, but a sense of pride for a team that I've watched 100%. from afar. And Trevor testify, I've tried between about 10 to 15 times to get to Meadowbank this season. <laughs> and every time, I'm not even joking, every time something comes up that means I can't go. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping to come down on Saturday for your as we hold we hold it in our heart because Trevor and oh, I it was our final our final game before COVID lockdown, wasn't it? We went yeah, to see the Surrey yeah. Cup. Yeah, I was yeah, at yeah, Meadowbank. It's so. Hungerford in the FA Trophy. FA Trophy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really impressed we were that night. Um, what do you think it's done for Dawkins supporter base and maybe even the wide world of non-league mark? Because you know, you're, you you can admit yourself, you're a character and you're probably a Marmite figure to some people, but I absolutely love watching you on there. And I think it's what's attracted so many people to non-league football. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think you letting Rich and a bunch of amateurs document yeah. yourselves has like brought a new love for non-league? But yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm just brave with it, really. Like, I just think, well, you know, I know every manager's out there saying and doing all sorts of things, and I'm just prepared to show people what I do, and if they like it, they do. They don't. They don't. They watch it long enough, then they get it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I understand it's uh, come from a good place. Um, but I think, um, I think it, what it's done is the feedback we get is phenomenal. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Like, I mean. You know, I'm in the Isle of Wight in the middle of nowhere and everywhere I go, people stop <laughs> me and, and talk about talk about it and especially little kids off of TikTok. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what age group TikTok is. It must be really young, but... Well, I heard Trev was doing some dance moves on there recently, weren't you, Trev? No, no Gaz, <laughs> Gaz is, a, is, is a TikTok man. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's madness, right? But, like, um, I think we get so many people that say this has really socially grabbed them because it's just given them access to have a bit of a belonging you know Premier League football don't do that that's why we all do what we do yeah there is no you don't you don't even get near the tea lady let alone no. the players and you know so it's 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 kind of full storm really I think the the access to people even watching it People really resonate with it, and they they sort of grow an affiliation with it. And hopefully, those people don't just follow us. We get a lot of people come from all over now. Our crowds doubled last season. Doubled. I mean, literally doubled. I mean, worth in a you know 
got historic great fan base. We we've had we've come from nothing, yeah. um, and uh, hopefully those people get to their own local non-league clubs. That's what I think. You know, hopefully those people go. Do you know what? I love watching that team. I'm going to go to my team in Leicester or Peterborough, whatever. Yeah. Get behind them, but it's we. You know, we'll, it'd be interesting to see how it's taken at Notts County. And <laughs> <laughs> I bet you can't wait to see you leading Dorkin out of that grounds, mate. I mean, when you when you fought all those years ago, when you were setting up a park team and you think you're leading them out of former EFL grounds, it must you must have, almost like when you're there, you're going to pinch yourself, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm always just thinking. See, I keep the, the thing at the moment. You would have seen it online. Is people going, ah, oh, you know, if you don't next season, you're going to end up at Dorking. You know, like we, we've become this kind of sarcastic phrase. Uh, yeah, you're that, playing Dorking. And like my thing to them clubs is that, mate, it's not that we're small, it's that you used to be big. Yeah, right? there you go. Yeah. What an attitude to have. What great you know, attitude let's to make, have. Yeah, let's make no mistake. We're going, we're going to try and turn everybody over, like everybody. And if we don't do it initially, we'll work out a way, hopefully, how to do it. But that attitude came across in, in South End this season, didn't it? When they weren't allowed <laughs> to film anywhere. That, oh, that was, was pathetic, that was. Yeah, it was, I mean... Rich, you, read, you registered, you registered Rich as a player, didn't you? That should register him as a player because it's, a, it's the FA Trophy, seven yeah. subs. And everybody was injured at that point again. So I thought, well, I might as well just put him on the bench then. <laughs> and then I'm actually having a massive argument with some guy who said, well, he's, you know, well, he, oh, we've told him he can't be here. I said, but he's on the bench. He said, well, he can't. I said, well... So if you're telling me that one of the subs is not allowed to be here, then that's fine. Just put it in writing yeah. and, and, you know, we'll go from there. But it's like, I don't know what these people have got to hide. I don't get it, really. It's, it's, it's just it's just old school mindsets. Yeah. You know, like it benefits everybody to showcase what you do. The volunteers. Richard likes to interview the volunteers at opposing grounds, get their stories, their journeys. Benefits everybody, really. The officials mm. love it. The officials love it, like. Well, because... even when they got you in their ear as well. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love it. I love it when he goes up to the third official, going, oh. I, uh, fourth official, sorry, goes, I ain't going to give you any grief this game. And then two minutes later, you're sh- screaming at him. It's brilliant. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we, um, we, um, like the officials like it because it actually gives them an opportunity to show people what they do, how they deal with it, and we always try to try to get balance with that uh, where applicable. To make sure, and we got we got a good relationship there. So, yeah, no. To be fair, I, it's it's just doing loads of loads of good for the game, and you know, we we just hope that no one prevents us. Well, they can't prevent too much. They might prevent no. access uh, in changing rooms away from home, but then I'll just wear a fucking minus helmet or something. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> that's what Mark, we'll do. Mark, do you have any regrets of doing bunch of amateurs? Is there any regrets at all? Not really, no, not really. I just feel like, I just feel like it's Dawkins Wanderers has, you know, I'm not this mega rich man people say I am. I, I graph non-stop, right? And we've had to, we've had to work out a way of becoming remotely sustainable through growing attendances, uh, generating, uh, monetizing the local business community and all of this has helped us do that further that and that's I've got to put my neck on the line for the club the club couldn't compete where it is now if we weren't doing things like bunch of amateurs it's a key facet to our profile and it's really helped us grow so definitely no regrets and um, sometimes I think would I regret it because we even tell the team our tactics I mean (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> After time, I can just see there and watch what we're telling them to do. So I always have a wind up saying to people, you know, we didn't just beat you, but we told you in advance what we're going to do as well. Yeah. I think with that, Mark, what you said as well, though, is that having followed you through like the county leagues as well, when you're in Sussex as well, no silly money's been thrown at it. You, like you say, grown sustainably all the way through. And when you see some of the clubs, that you know throw thousands millions at budgets and everything it's refreshing to see somebody come from where they were down on the park football and they've built it gradually and steadily and every bit it's almost like a building a massive great tower every bit's been built yeah. from the bottom up rather than starting from the top 
Yeah, thanks, Trevor. I appreciate that. I mean, at any given point, there's boys in our team that have been there four, five, six, seven years at any given point. That's the real success behind it. It's retaining the continuity of the players and then just only adding sparingly. And of course, the, the default position of that is that your budget's probably always lower than it would yeah. be if you was to go into a new league. I mean, we've gone to that national league and every single agent wants to message you players and the, the stupid money, ridiculous money. Mm. Um, so no, we've, you know, we've, we, we operated last year with, with a top eight budget, definitely I'd say in that division this year, it will definitely be bottom five because I don't mind anyone knowing we've got, I looked at it today. We've got 450 grand, the average budget in that league, as per the AGM notes, is 1.2 million, average. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we are 100% in the bottom four, probably of that league. Um, but we we do things our way. Sutton United, incidentally, won it probably on about 600. So it's not like, but but that I mean, it's not often I talk money, but the problem is because we're all football nuts and we and we're also local, so we get the journey. But to other people, they just think, blimey, success, rapid success, money. That's, mm. they, they, they can't get over that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But I just think you need to look at Leicester winning the Premier League, for example, mate. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. You know, it's it's about the team and the morale. And for what I see from a bunch of amateurs, I know you'll get some new faces in the club um, over this coming season. If you keep the morale like it is and the team that they are, you know, you, you could be smashing that league. I appreciate it, James. I mean, I think it's going to be bloody hard, but... yeah really really hard but um what we what i would say we will work it out we always do mm. um we've got what i've got one hell of a management team mark beard is is um he's the only full-time person on the playing side he's full-time coach now chips in with the academy as well i've got about um there's a there's a coaching team of about five there's a scouting team of about four or five um we've got analysis people all volunteers all volunteers yeah we've got a very clever structure to what we do so we're always looking for kind of marginal gains really and, and I, um yeah and i think yeah. one of the things i like is when uh mark does why like bring you back in a little bit because one of your favorite one of my favorite sayings of you on bunch of amateurs is next goal and there was i think it was in the last or the penultimate episode series He's like no 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 we don't want the next goal we don't want the next goal and i just think you screaming at it just makes me laugh so much no, what, that, that determination see, and willpower i see someone the other day someone commented saying oh you know he looks like he's tactical blah 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 but then he goes into the pub mode and shouting next goal do you know why i do that do you know why i do that i've been doing this a long time I do that right after we scored because I like to dig dig the knife in the opposition. Yeah. I like I like I like I the thought it was that. Yeah, no. I like the opposition manager to think and the opposition team to get on a back foot and that little five minute spell, just clever little things over the years, you know. And it's occasionally when you get the you see the glance on the camera from the other manager, just looking at what the hell is this bloke on about? And it's brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant, mate. So don't stop doing that next season. I think, yeah, I no, think mate, listen, can we get a ringtone made or something? Do they still do ringtones? Mark just screaming next goal. It could be an exclusive <laughs> Premier non-league podcast uh, uh, ringtone or text message. Actually, Trev, you've got his number. Why don't you get him recording that? And then every yeah. time he texts yeah. him, you go, next goal coming to your mobile. Or um, relax. That's the other one. Yeah, relax, yeah. relax, yeah. relax, relax, yeah. relax. relax yeah. said in the most bloody yeah. stress way. Have you ever thought about going into merchandise, mate? We could maybe have a partnership here, Mark White and the PNLP. You know, what are you thinking about that? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> um, no, um, so let's just, before we wrap it up with you, mate, you've taken plenty of your time time. We really appreciate it. Let's just go back to 21st of May, 2022. Uh, the culmination of, as you say, 20 years of hard work. What was that? I mean, as you said at the end, and you know, I've, I've experienced it from professional football, from being a Charlton fan, winning in the last minute, you know, you know, taking that equaliser, a playoff final, the best way to get promotion, if you know you're going to win, is a playoff. But I mean, I'm sure if you were wearing a heart rate monitor, your, your results would have been something through the roof and God knows how they didn't have to get the defib out because it was the same for me at Wembley when I supported Charlton all those years about <laughs> getting promoted. Um, the 99th minute when uh, Luke Moore scored to take that to extra time. And... You, 
that, that it actually I, I think like um I think it was like what Gaz said it was like a proud moment for me like you know I like Dorking from a local point of view I've been to you before you know I like to follow your results and I've become a bigger fan by watching a bunch of amateurs but I almost had a little lump in my throat when I saw how much that meant for you and you charging down that touchline nearly knocking Rich out of the way and you know all the players and everything like that what was that feeling because you must have thought when Ebbsfleet scored you're like did you genuinely think it was over or did you think we're going to get something here like I mean, positivity, Mark-wise, would have said, yeah, we'll get something. But did you generally think, this is it, guys, over? Yeah, I think conceptually, uh, I'm I'm in business mode, doing everything I think can, we can possibly do at that point to try and salvage it. You know, keeper, the keeper's gone up for four corners and the centre-half's gone up. But I think in the back of my mind, it's, it's a lost cause, but I'm, it's not kind of a conscious thought. So I think, yeah, I don't think I could kid anybody on that I truly believe was going to equalise... Um, I think it was um, the most incredible moment. I've never seen so many growing people in a, in a ground celebrating with people they didn't know. At the end of the game, kids crying, et cetera, et cetera. But the equaliser, I mean, I asked the ref how long to go and he said five seconds. Five seconds. Crazy, and then Fuller yeah. whacks that ball, that floats that ball into the edge of the box. Left I mean, footed, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, it was just literally, it's like, it is literally, you can make a movie. I mean, we know you've got a TV or a YouTube series about yeah. it. You can literally, that's what you'd see in a movie. To see that and the pure, overwhelming emotion coming out of you lot. I mean, it must be amazing. When that goal went in, obviously you're ecstatic. You must have thought, next goal, next goal, next goal. I know you screamed it anyway, but... Uh, I was, I yeah. was, yeah. But I... did you know that's your moment? Is that the game's yours then? Because surely the I'm momentum there. has swung in your favour then. Yeah, I never celebrate goals, by the way. Like, I've been no, I know, I've noticed that. I, I was just going to say that that when that third goal went in, your bench erupted, and that was probably the most calmest person in the entire yeah. ground. Was were you? you? Were you a yeah. little bit like a? Were you a little bit like a swan there? Like, really under under the feet, like under. We're going. Do you know, do you know what? Dozen. I just think like I think my um, I'm quite good at getting into that kind of business mindset on the bench. Like. I think that's just the experience. I think whether you've managed at County League or Division Four, you know, I remember I made a, I remember making a, a one nil down to Hastings in the Isthmian League playoff semi final. Fifteen minutes to go, made a triple sub, changed the shape, nicked an equaliser, one on penalties. And I just think over the years you just learn what to do, when to do it, to remain calm. And I and I would say I'm pretty good at that. To be fair. And I lost it when we equalised and I don't often lose it. But that's because, as you rightfully said, the back of my mind were done, right? But the minute we equalised, when we scored the third goal, I, I was back to normal, just no no smiles, no nothing. Um, and the minute we scored that equaliser, there was no question. Even though we was, it was like Roy de Rovers, everybody was injured. Jace had come off, McShane was, we had to leave three on that were struggling. Mm. Alfie couldn't move. Um, but, I just knew at that point the Wanderers dodge were out. I just thought, listen, this is ours. You don't, you know the score. You don't equalise with five seconds to go and not win the game. No, um, no. It was a phenomenal feeling. <laughs> I, and, and what I loved about it was I was so emotional at the end and it's rare for me. I put my sunglasses on and I just, I, I, I walked straight off the pitch. I couldn't even talk. Welled up. Yeah, I couldn't even talk. So I, there's people all, all over the place. I just walked off the pitch and what I thought about it was, like, the, the kids, that memory, that is, you know, that is going to be their football memory for literally their lifetime for these kids. It was I'll a never fantastic... Forget never forget it. You know, to be there in that situation. And I just thought, you know what? That is ultimately why we all do football. It's for the highs, the lows. And if you're fortunate enough to get a high like that, it, it makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. Wednesday, 9am, when the fixtures come out, obviously you'll know beforehand anyway because the, the blister will come through. And I've seen, I've seen a draft of what is supposed <laughs> to come out. Who do you want on Wednesday? Well, I wanted Oldham, right? Yeah. Yeah, I wanted Oldham because, because um, I think, that, uh, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure when we was formed, they was in the Premier League. Mental. Yeah, they would Yeah, been, that would yeah. have been. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right, mate. You are right. Right. So, so you'd imagine if they've done their the homework, yeah, if they've done their homework and they want a good, you know, uh, concept for their first TV game, yeah. You know, what, but you know, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, you could be I'm, drinking aviation gin with Hollywood royalty, couldn't you? In Wrexham. I know. 
I know, I know. It's going to be crazy. But... That'll be weird. I mean, think of that. I mean, I think it's, we've spoken plenty of times about Wrexham on this podcast, like whether we think it's right or wrong, you know, with uh, Ryan Reynolds and McKelney. Uh, but how weird did that be? You're literally going into the ground where you're going to possibly have two Hollywood suits, I'm saying. You're like, this is just the real. Yeah, no, it's crazy, isn't it? I just, I just it, it, I'm, it's a difficult one for me. You know, if people come into your club with really good intentions and deliver, then for me personally, um, as long as the club's in good hands, where can it go wrong? You know, yeah. so I think they've got to be judged on a on what they're doing. They just bought the ground yeah. and they're delivering on promises and stuff like that. But yeah, no, it's going to be insane. We played at Notts County um, in a friendly in that year you mentioned earlier when it got when we was in the playoffs first year round. Yeah, and that was <laughs> it was like like down a Wembley for the day. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I think it's one of those clubs that you think if they're still there, if say Wrexham's still in the National League in five years' time and they're still there, you can go fair play to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100%. I think, um, yeah, I think they, they've got the resources to do what they want to do. But it, 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 fans are relentless, aren't they, in clubs? They're, fans are relentless. Like, this is a division that is tough to get out of, you know, really mm. tough. And um, there'll be a lot more pressure on other teams and there will be Dorking Wanderers who are going to, try and consolidate. I can't wait to see it. Mark, if you could pick one highlight apart from the winning the um, promotion through the playoffs of the last season, I know it's probably millions, but if you could pick one highlight, just tell us. I think the Boxing Day 8-0, uh, we beat <laughs> Haven 8-0. And, Relentless. Um, yeah, it was, we had a few, three of our players or four of our players, ex-Haven and it was just one of them great days, a bit misty, a bit murky that day it was, and just one of them great days, really. And that was when our season sort of kicked on a bit, you know. And I used to say when we were 12th or 13th in the league we were, and went to Oxford City, they were top, and we beat them 4-2 comfortably. And I used to say to people like the management team, don't worry, I said, you can't write us off. And I said, best of all, nobody else ever does, because um, they know that we're, you know, we're a bit of a juggernaut in terms of working out how to get there. And um, yeah, long may that continue. But I've got to say, there's a huge amount of people around me that I take the plaudits for. And, um, you know, I thank all of them really because they give me a bit of a steering job, if I'm honest, with the club. So, Mark, just a last point before we wrap this up. Next season, new league. And we're really excited, as you're sure you could tell, to see and follow. And I'm sure Rich will be back with his cameras following the season with you. Um, what what is your plan for next season? Apart from what was the famous last line you said on last season, a bunch of amateurs. We don't mind swearing if you want to say it right now because I think it well, could be the title. I think I said, look, we'll try to we'll try to you know try to finish fifth bottom, but you know maybe we'll just try and win the fucking thing. There we go. I love it. Yeah, but I just think like there's no there's no boundaries really. Do you know what I mean? There's no. They're only the ones you set yourself. I mean, obviously, you can't just be optimistic and think you're going to win everything, but we have got a great setup. We're going to try and work out, James, like you know, where our sort of not weaknesses, but where the areas are we need to improve. We'll do it all at our own speed. We'll look at where the marginal gains are that we're losing by not being full time. And um, we'll go from there. But I would love, I'd love to be maybe the first team to get promoted to League Two as part time. Can't think of anybody else. No, but I, I, I quite like that record. Next, that would be pretty. That would be pretty. Uh, pretty impressive, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mark right. White for England. I want the England job. That's the only job I'd take. I'd have you as the England manager, mate. I think you'd be brilliant. I mean, imagine, I, imagine, I, 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 imagine I, I, Rich in uh, Qatar Wembley. next. Uh, yeah. Qatar, <laughs> Qatar, twenty twenty two, following you down as the England gaffer. Well, my first hour would be talking about what's not allowed: <laughs> earrings, <laughs> bandanas, gloves. You know. <laughs> Instagram. Yeah, it'd be like a German prisoner war camp. Um, <laughs> and then I think I think I think we've just uh, Mark has just sent his signal out like he's coming for you, Gareth. He's coming for you. Football's coming home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're the man to bring it home. Gareth's got so close, mate. He you don't do anything in Qatar. You know the next. Uh, I think it. What is it? Where's the next uh, Euros? I don't even know where it is after that. I've lost track somewhere. But uh, it, it could bring it home somewhere. But. Um, Mark White, thank you so much for spending the past hour with us on the first of the Premier Nolly Podcast Summer Specials. Can we get you back at Christmas? We have a catch up then or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. 
Well, we'll Anytime, be down. Boy. We'll be down to Meadowbank whenever we can, mate. I'll come down. We'll have a beer if you after the game. It'd be really good to like have a catch up in person, mate. Drop but... me a message and I'll and I'll sort out your tickets, lads. You're I appreciate that. Mark. Very kind. Thank you. Great. Thank you it's very great. Much. It's great to see. Um, you know what I mean. Uh, you boys doing good work for non-league football. Really good to see. And that means a lot coming from someone like you, Mark. So thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to seeing what Daw can do. We've got three fans in this room right now, plus the other guys on the Premier League podcast. So good luck for the season. Can't wait to catch up with you sometime in the near future. And enjoy pre-season, Mark. Cheers, James. Take care. Are you PNLP? Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 